You're listening to Around Comics, episode 194. Hey there, everybody. Chris Neesman here alongside Mr. Tom Gators. Hello. Well, if you couldn't guess, this is a little different type of episode for us. <laughs> it's uh, just like an emergency, <laughs> oh shit, we have to do an episode. <laughs> we are, we are. It's the fill-in episode. It's the fill-in issue. Actually, this is our road trip episode. Had a, had a little bit of a scheduling conflict earlier this week at Dark Tower, i.e., my, uh, my wife made some uh, family plans that I was expected to be at, but uh, Tom and I were, uh, were already planning on heading up to uh, the great city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to take in a Milwaukee Brewers-Houston Astros game, so uh, we are coming to you from uh, I-90. We, uh, we yeah. head up to, uh, to Milwaukee. And if, uh, if your Midwest geography is a little off, Milwaukee is uh, 90 miles due north of Chicago, yes. right up the uh, Lake Michigan shoreline. And uh, admittedly... The air smells so much better when you cross <laughs> that border into Wisconsin. Sweet smelling sweet, Wisconsin. Yeah, the sweet Wisconsin air. You know, I, admittedly, I haven't spent nearly enough time in Milwaukee since I moved to Chicago. And it was really a nice little town. Uh, every time I go there, I enjoy it. And uh, you know, But for you, it's it's kind of like going home. A little bit. Uh, I'm from Green Bay, which is, you know, a couple hours north of, of uh, Milwaukee. But, you know, you get back into Milwaukee, you see a lot of overweight people, um, <laughs> a lot of uh, pretty obvious underage drinkers, <laughs> you know. It's it, a traditional Wisconsin it's, it's a cultural, pork, you know. It's a pork and beer town. It's, it's <laughs> most, yeah, mostly, almost, and ranch dressing on everything, on everything. Don't get me started on the brandy. Read the, it's like the waiting place at a baseball game. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, you know, we've talked about it a few times, but, but not really in depth. And I think that every comic fan has this, um, has this remembrance of how they grew up being a comic fan and and uh, kind of like everything in life, we have a tendency of thinking it was the same for everybody. You know? yeah. And my, how I grew up is obviously very different than, than how you grew up, well, being, I, being uh, in Southern I, Illinois. I was you know? raised by wolves. <laughs> and no, and not, the Green yeah, Bay Wolves. Not, yeah, not, only, not only did uh, no one else read comics, no one else could read. Period. <laughs> It's very, no one can talk to no one about anything. Talk about a niche market. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, what was it, what was it like growing up in Green Bay, and how were how were comics a part of your childhood? Uh, I was the one kid that read DC comics. Every, all my other friends read Marvel comics, and they thought uh, DC comics were for kids. I, I and think I, that, I think that was thought, true, not just in Green Bay. Yeah. Maybe it is all the same. It is. Yeah. <laughs> we just discovered life is the same everywhere. So I was the only kid that, you know, so I, not only was I a sub subset of the normal population with the fact that I read comics, but I was the one kid who didn't really like Wolverine all that much, you know, when everyone else was, you know, had their underwear in a bind about how totally awesome Wolverine was. Or, I actually am wearing Wolverine underwear, underwear right oh, now. Oh, God. <laughs> 
oh, I can't wait for, for them to have another character with swords, you know, and I was just like, I like elongated man. <laughs> I think he's nifty. What was that? What was the the comic book shop like in Green Bay where you first started, or did you start buying comics at a comic shop? I didn't start buying comics at a comic shop. I, I, well, the first set of comics I got were all like secondhand stuff from from relatives, and it was all older than actually the stuff that was out at the time. I, you know, I had all these coverless, like, 100-pagers from the late 70s. So your love of old book smell started early. Yeah, and that's why I, sometimes I, I think I, my taste tend to a fan that would probably be about eight years older than I actually am. Because for the, when I started reading comics, when I it must have been, like, seven, you know, I, uh, it was old 100-pagers. So I, I was a very fat, I was a very voracious reader as a kid, uh... I, I learned to read really fast, and I just, like, read anything I could get my hands on, and so I had all these old, old comics, and then when I realized that comics, you, I could buy new ones, like, there were new ones that came out, I was a little thrown off, because when I started buying them, it was right after Crisis on Infinite Earths and everything was totally different from the old books that I had just read when I was like six months ago and I didn't it didn't click in my head that those books I'd read were like eight years old sure. like they were just really old old books and I because I never looked at the dates you know when they were written to so me they were so, just books so you, you had your first fanboy moment of this is different this is different Aquaman doesn't have a, a sword, sword. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so I was a, it was a bit of a shock and then I was like I don't understand what, why what happened to Barry Allen you know and I, <laughs> and, uh, I started to piece it as, you know as kid as a kid you probably have more I think flexible tastes or more sure. your your immediate reaction to something isn't oh god this is so confusing well, you every, know, every, like, everything is new anyway everything, yeah everything's new to you in the first place so if you're interested you just keep going until you find out what the answer you know what the answer is and so that led to me like uh uh digging around for like old issues when I was like eight or nine because I couldn't figure out like what the hell was going on and uh the shop in my town there was a when I first started reading comics there was a couple shops and they were all terrible um then there's one I think it's called Mark's Great Escape that I used to go to but uh Horribly overpriced back issues. Oh, yeah. So then that in, uh... The dawn of the collector market. The dawn of the collector's market. And, uh... I just, you know, I just pick up scraps here and there from, you know, what I was reading. Sure, for me, I was, uh... uh I, we talked about it before. I was a big Doctor Who fan. And, you know, found my first Doctor Who comic at, uh... Campus, uh, campus cards and collectibles, which uh, I grew up in a little town called Marion, and it was just one of the things that you did growing up is, is you would ride your bike uh, into town, and yeah, I lived actually just outside of town, and so group of friends of I uh, and I would, would meet. Roughnecks, riding bikes around town. Yep, yep, wearing leather jackets. Yep, throwing firecrackers. Uh, we'd meet at the comic shop. That was just kind of our default where we would meet, and and everyone kind of kind of white comics, and, and that's kind of how I started getting into it. And uh, would would ride my bike up there on the weekends and and hang out. And I was probably 12 at the time, and did that for 
uh, several years until I could drive. And Campus Comics, there's not a college in Marion, but there is in Carbondale. And, and Campus Comics started as, as kind of the, the college comic book store. Yeah. And so we would go to the Mecca. We'd go to the home store. Uh, my, you know, my mom would you know load us up in the minivan and we'd go there. That was the big, big deal on the weekend. Well, that, in your mind, that's one of those things where it's like... That shop is the greatest place ever. And then in hindsight, you look back and yeah. you're like, that shop wasn't that great. But when you're a kid, you're like, oh, it had everything you ever wanted. Yeah, man. it's the step up, man. It's like one day I'll save up, I'll save up that twenty dollars and buy that issue of X Men one one thirty seven. Did you? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I out of that store, I probably uh, acquired X Men probably one oh five. And then had it all the way into the early 200s, yeah. you know. Which I was thinking uh, earlier this week, uh, X Men 500 just came out. Yeah. And for me, as a as an X Men fan, it's, it's hard for me because I grew up on the X Men. They were always my favorite book. And just kind of looking back on it, that book kind of died for me at X Men 200. Yeah. That you know the whole trial oh, yeah. trial of Magneto that ended the story for me. That that book ended. That, that entire story as you saw the redemption of Magneto yeah. and after that I, it, it never had the it's same gravity those things. I think it's just true for I think it's true for all all characters is that um, you know you read 500 issues of one story there's a beginning and an end for you yeah. as a reader I mean that's just that's the nature of the, you know you might continue to occasionally read you know people who read Spider-Man to them, there's probably a point where the story and kind of ended for them, and they still may pick it up every once in a while and enjoy the stories. But really, it's like with the uh, you know, I know there's been more Flash issues, but for me, really, the Flash sort of ended when Johns left, and all the issues after that have been, you know, they've been of varying quality. But it's whenever I think it's a different story, yeah, it's a, it's a different story, and whether or not you you know hold that tight to you or not, or whether you're just reading it. I think I think for me, my X Men story started with Giant Size One and ended with Two Hundred. I think that told the story that needed to be told for me. But you know, there are other people. You know, Ron over at Idea Boy, his you know, he is an X guy, and that will always be his book. So you know, there have been other stories that you know that have come after that. But uh, you know, uh, another thing, you know, going back to growing up with comics and when we're so ingrained now like Wednesday is new comic book day and you go to the shop on Wednesdays when I was growing up it, they came out on Wednesdays but Saturday was always comic book day for me yeah. that is when especially in high school when I would drive over the, the satellite store in Marion it closed down and uh, yeah just follow these cars okay <laughs> Oh, don't, don't go into the construction Yeah, I'd follow these guys. <laughs> but, um, you know, for me, Saturday was always comic book day. And uh, a lot of it was, you know, the, they were making so many comics, you weren't ever really worried about something selling out. They were always going to have Uncanny X-Men and yeah. Fantastic Four there. But the Saturday trek to the comic shop is, is how I remember growing up. On, on comics and you know either you know my mom taking a group of us over in the van or you know whenever I could drive it's I would, comic book day yep and go over there yeah, they didn't used to sell out maybe I just didn't care
other big happenings since the last time we uh, we sat down. Uh, Dark Knight came yes. out, and we've both both had a chance to see it. Mm-hmm. What did you think of it? I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was uh, uh, really just a good movie that happened to us be about comic book characters. Are you are you are you ready to call it the greatest comic book movie ever? I, that's such a qualifying statement to me <laughs> because it's like I will say this about it though. What I I thought it had what impressed me the what impressed me the most is the most memorable scenes to me in that movie aren't special effects scenes. They're scenes which is two actors in a room, you know, and they might be dressed up like the Joker and the Batman, but there's no CGI in that scene. There's no big explosion, there's no, you know, like a gratuitous fight scene with like it's just a really intense scene between two actors. And that's what really impressed me about the movie was that it seemed so it didn't have that flair of like CGI everywhere. Well that, I think that's the whole premise of, of Nolan's Batman world and we talked about this really briefly this week on eleven o'clock. Um, that that the whole world that he has set up there is is plausible. It's you know maybe not probable but yeah. it's plausible, and I I love the fact that that everything that happens in that movie could happen in real life. Yeah, I mean I think now I, I don't want to get into an Iron Man versus Dark Knight thing no, because that, I think it's no. I think they're two very different movies. That's like comparing Iron Man comic book and Batman comic. Book. Yeah, I mean they're two very different things. Uh, I mean I think you look at Iron Man and. For large portions of that movie, it's Robert Downey Jr. and special effects. And Robert Downey Jr. is so entertaining that it, it works. And the movie is very entertaining and it's very good. And it definitely played. I mean, both of those movies played to their strengths of what they had, and they didn't waste too much time dicking around with other stuff that they couldn't do. You know. Uh, but uh, I mean, Dark Knight just seems so um, like thick with character stuff and interactions between people and it seemed like everything made sense and everything fit in because for me in a lot of comic book movies there's always one part of it or like one character that doesn't seem to quite fit you know and that didn't really happen in Dark Knight yeah, it seemed no. like everything My fit only, together and, and spoilers if you haven't seen the movie and I think we should probably you know, talk about it yeah. you know, a little bit more in depth but uh, the one thing I think Sal and I both kind of felt this way coming, coming out of it was um I felt like all the cars. I <laughs> follow the follow cars. those cars, Chris. This is a very confusing area. A lot of a lot, lot of road construction yes, on I ninety here. It's uh, summer in the uh, in the upper Midwest. Uh, yeah. Uh, one of my uh, one of my only um, not even really criticism, but how I just think that it would have been better for me if it had broke differently is the uh, the end of the movie. I thought it was about twenty minutes too long, and I would have loved to have seen them keep. Harvey around and yeah. make that the third movie. I think that they could have wrapped things up with the Joker, and then Harvey you could have seen Harvey's kind of descent into madness, and then he goes off. And I think that sets you up perfectly for yeah. a third movie. But I see. Part of me though also thinks, listen, don't don't get over obsessed with setting up another movie. Yeah, like but it's well, but and, and this is my point is that. I think it was almost too much 
to have resolution with with Two Face and Harvey at the end. And I kind of, not that I was looking at my watch at the end of it, but I was really kind of hoping that the movie was going to wrap up. So I thought I think, it was maybe a little too much. I think the only thing, I think the thing though is, if you don't wrap up Harvey's part of the story, nothing gets wrapped up in that movie. Because of the whole it, it, yeah, like, shining white night. Yeah, it's like nothing. You get then you would get to the end and you'd be like, oh, okay, so you know, the Joker gets caught and now Harvey's just something. You know, I think there had to be something had to close up because the Joker story can't really close up because that's the nature of that part of the story is that they're gonna he's gonna be at the, the Thorn and Batman side forever. There is no closure to that. Even know? though you're never gonna see the Joker. No, you're never gonna see it again. again. The, the idea is that. You, there can't be any closure to that part of the story. Because so you got to give them something. That, you got to end with something. You have to be like, here's this part of the story. And I, I think they did set up a nice thing for the, uh, if the, you know, if they do when they do a sequel. <laughs> when that thing makes a billion dollars, yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. gonna make a third movie. Uh, I'm setting it up that you know Batman is a wanted. You know he's a wanted man and he's seen as a murderer. And it, there could be interesting things you can do with that. Uh, do you think they're gonna they're gonna do the uh, kind of the pitfall of all comic book franchises, and that they're gonna ratchet it up to they're gonna turn it up to eleven? This one's gonna have four bad guys. Uh, I, I, and I don't I'm know. Kind of trying to think of of who they have left. I don't think that anyone really wants to see a penguin again. Um, maybe Catwoman, Killer Croc. Yeah, I, I don't think Killer Croc, unless you make Killer Croc just the Killer Croc who's the deformed guy. Yeah, which is what they would do. It's yeah. back to that plausibility of it, but I think See, they're, I, they're I kind think, of running out of the plausible... I think the Penguin is sort of... Uh, you can play him as what he sort of is in the comics, is like a demented... Businessman. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and you could make it visually if they, if they If they would have Jason Aaron write Penguin... I yeah, and make. The, how did you? How did you like that? Oh, I thought it was awesome. Oh. I also thought I thought Pearson's art was also amazing. Yeah, if you're, if you're not reading uh, Arkham Asylum or Joker's jo- Joker's jo- is it Joker's jo- Asylum? Joker's Asylum. It is really, really good. I've been uh, pleasantly surprised by just about all of them, except for the first Joker one, which I thought was, eh, was okay. Yeah. But everyone after that, did you uh, did you read the Scarecrow one? I haven't read the Scarecrow one yet. The art, first of all, kudos to DC for taking a chance on some art. Uh, it's a Wando. Yeah. Oh, I saw that it was a very different style of uh, of art for a Batman story. Really cool. Really, really cool. So yeah, I'm, I'm digging the uh, uh, I'm digging the Joker Joker style. It's funny that uh, each one is the number one issue. What do they have that figured out? Don't they? <laughs> number one. First and only. You only get this one once. Should we make this a miniseries? Yeah, you know, but did you let's have each one be a number one issue. Did you read uh, New York 4, that uh, Minx book by uh, no, it's Brian Wood and Ryan Kelly? It's sitting on my nightstand. I had, I, I read it. It was it was really good. Yeah, I like you, some of the Minx stuff. If you like local, mm-hmm. I think you will very much enjoy this. It's the same team. I mean, it's uh-huh. a much lighter story. It's more of like a teen soap opera, which is really weird to read a Brian Wood, like, teen soap opera sort of like 
four college girls all with their different problems. A little different than DMZ. A little different from DMZ, (laughs) but in sort of the same way that Azarello working on that Doctor 13 thing was sort of a departure from... It was really... It was really. It shows how good of a writer Brian Wood is that he wrote that, yeah. and it was extremely compelling. I actually I talked to Azarillo in, in Chicago about that. Yeah. I had him sign my Doctor Thirteen train. So it was really nice to to read something so different from you. It's you know I, I love a hundred bullets, but it's really nice to see you you know kind of kind of flex some different muscles. And he looked at me. He's like. Ah, don't worry. It all comes from the same fucked up, demented place. <laughs> it all stems from the same set of problems. It just comes out differently. Which, man, it's uh, looking back on Doctor Thirteen. I, I loved it when it came out, but I'm such a, uh, a big fan of Cliff Chang's work now. Yeah. That to go back and read that again, I, I really, really enjoy Cliff Chang's art. Well, I liked. I, I also liked how Anthro, uh, Anthro with his. Uh, Mr. Terrific style leather jacket made an appearance in Booster Gold <laughs> with his answers with the anthro written on the side like Mr. Terrific. <laughs> Uh, the Gleason's art is fantastic, and they just wrapped up that 
mongrel story. How, you know, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm a trade waiter yeah. on that. Uh, I actually just finished up getting all the uh, Sinestro core hardcovers. Yeah. And I'm picking all those up in trades. Was the Mongol story good? Yes, it was. It was very good. The art was fantastic. Cool. And it, it had a very sad ending, though. I won't tell you which green, one of the Green Lanterns dies. Oh. It was very, yeah. I was very upset. Not sure. No, they wouldn't kill Chip. Another again, again. <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, uh, did you read the new Iron Fist? The Dwayne uh, uh, Swarzynski. Yeah, Dwayne S. As I like to call him. I need to go back and reread it. Uh, I I did a very fanboy thing, and oh, I, I, I read it when I shouldn't have. I wasn't in the the. I was. I was kind of hurried. I wasn't in, yeah. the, in the best of moods, and I was already coming into that kind of uh, pucker. No, this isn't Brubaker and Fraction. Exactly. Exactly. And I read it, and I thought, uh, I thought he was really trying to to do what Brubaker and Fraction were doing on Iron Fist. Yeah. But it seemed like, to, at the time, it seemed a little bit of a of a pale in it, imitation of that. It didn't have the same. Um, kind of the same magic to it, and um, there was a lot going on. I'm gonna disagree with you. You I liked it? I did. I thought okay. it was very. It had. I thought it had a harder edge to it than the Fraction, Brubaker stuff. Uh, you know, the, the the Luke Cage like fight scene with. Uh, his, and I, I know everyone was freaked out about the art, and everyone's like, "Oh, David Aja isn't on it anymore." Well, David Aja drew, what, 60%? Yeah. Maybe of the 17 issues. So, for me, David Aja is not the visual identity there, there, of that there, book. There was no, no, there was no visual <laughs> identity <laughs> of that book. Yeah, so, you know, you still have the rusty flashbacks. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was I thought it was good. I think um, he, he can, is continuing on the story that everyone liked. Yeah. You know, like, everyone liked... Everyone, I think people more upset if he just dropped all that and just did something else. I really hope that they keep the uh, the uh, the weapons yeah. storyline going, and you see how the how the, the were they the ultimate weapons or the, yeah. the. I hope they keep all of those characters around in some regards. I think they're really yeah. interesting. I so. thought there was. I just thought there was a little there's a little harder edge to it than the uh, rubric or fraction stuff had, which is the nature of the. Of the flashback being the guy in the western, the, the you know the Chinese uh, uh, Iron Fist in the western town, you know, getting into a fight. I think that that's a very different type of story than Fraction and Brubaker were telling with their. They, I thought their flashback ones tended to be a little, uh, a little softer, yeah, a little yeah, bit, you know, yeah, like okay, not as hard edged as as that and. The, the, the fight scene with Luke Cage and him fighting the guys, I mean, that's something that we hadn't seen really in the Fraction Brubaker uh, no, no, series I, I, since I, probably the first story arc, you know, so I think he brought back a little bit more of the you know, the actual fighting part of it, you know. Did you um, see the, the little homage to the old Power Man and Iron Fist yes. ads in Marvel this uh, this week? Yes. Of, uh, I forget how they how they, uh, uh, worded it, but it was, you know, Iron, Iron Fist will kick your ass if you don't buy this. Yeah. That's what they're saying. Hey, like, Mars Cheese Castle. <laughs> What's a Mars Cheese Castle? It's a place uh, you can buy cheese and uh, various types of meats at the Mars Cheese Castle. It's a tourist trap. 
Ah, okay. It's but not a cheese. castle. Can we get um, fried cheese curds? Ah, you can get regular cheese curds and fry them on your own. Okay. And Papa Nelson's Wisconsin cheese. That's one of the things I love about Wisconsin is the cheese stand. Yep. Do you see that anywhere else cheese in the world? Cross. Marsh Cheese Castle. <laughs> Sam always makes me stop there, even though I'm like, oh, God. I'm like, no more the cheese no there. More cheese. No more cheese. I love Wisconsin, but it's, can, we not, can we not get any more cheese? Wisconsin. Cheese, beer, brandy. sausage, brandy. Oils. Brandy. God, <laughs> brandy. Don't get me started on the brandy. Brandy. Uh, they, will put brand, they will put brandy in anything here. Yeah. What is the fascination with brandy cokes? And don't get old me, people. The, old yeah. people love drinking here. And when you get old here, you start drinking brandy. You don't put brandy in a Manhattan. You don't make a Manhattan out of brandy. I don't. Uh, um, that is something I have not commonly seen in Wisconsin. Now, like a... Uh, an, an old fashioned is different. Oh. <laughs> I just rolled down the window. Uh, old fa- an, an old fashioned is different from a Manhattan, right? Yes. Brandy old fashioned is a much more Wisconsin. That would be what I would associate it as the brandy drink of choice in Wisconsin. A brandy old fashioned. Yeah. Wow, that's got to be sweet. Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like it's an old woman drink. Yeah, so yeah. why. So, you, whenever you. Did you call an old fashioned uh, an, an old woman drink, or was that Vince? Vince called it an old fashioned. Okay. Well, maybe it's, but I yeah. don't like. It. Oh no! I mean, I've had, I've had when I go uh, when I go to Door County, I, I will have a brandy old fashioned because that's what you do. That's I mean, that's the you, know, you go to the bar and they have the state. They have like the stations for making it everywhere. You have your cherries, your bitters, like at, at five different points because they make so many of them. That they have all the stuff out, just ready to go, because that's all anyone gets for their your sugar, your sugar syrup, your uh, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you got the whole, it's all fucking lined up. It's all lined up. Uh, what else did I read? Let me see. I brought. I wanted to remind myself about stuff I read. Uh, picked up the uh, the American flag. Uh, finally came out. Yeah, how was how how does it look? Uh, it looks great, which you know reminds me. Uh, we didn't mention it at the, at the first, so uh, Cameron and the guys will be upset. This this episode is sponsored by InStockTrades.com, where waiting for the trade has never been easier. You can uh, pick up all of your collected editions there at great discounted prices. And uh, right now they are uh, sponsoring our book of the month selection, which is Black Hole by Charles Burns. It is a uh, seminal work of Charles Burns. We've been teasing it for about uh, two years. <laughs> two years, now. yeah. But it came out in uh, uh, two ways: hardcover and the trade paperback. You can find both of them at in stock trades for thirty-five percent off. They actually lowered the uh, the price on it just for uh, just for us. Just for us. And uh, so you can pick up the, the trade is like eleven and a half bucks, or the uh, hardcover, which I love, is uh, uh, sixteen dollars and. I, I, I picked up the soft cover. Still looks really nice. Yep. Still very well. I mean, it's a nice, it's a, a nice part. It's soft cover, you know, like a sturdy, yep. well put together book. It's very all. good. And remember, all uh, all orders over fifty dollars uh, ship free from InStock. It's where I buy all my trades, and so should you. So, but uh, that, the the reason that I was reminded of that is the American flag omnibus yep. came out, and it's available at InStock as well. So if you don't want to drop the the full fifty bucks on that, I'm sure they yeah. have that at a at a, a nice. nice. It's gorgeous. It is. Uh, I really like 
uh, kind of this movement away from the oversized hardcovers. As yeah. much as I like those, whenever you get these really big, like, number of pages books, they can be a bear to read. I, I, I love the Marvel omnibuses, but it's it's There's real hard for me to... to take those around. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard for me to take the Amazing Spider-Man omnibus and, you know, bring that into bed. Read it in the train, on the train, you know, pull up this <laughs> giant fucking book out of your bag. Road tripping with my two favorite allies Pulling loaded, we got snacks and supplies It's time to leave this town, it's time to steal away Let's go get lost anywhere in the USA Let's go get lost, let's go get lost Blue, you sit so pretty west of the wall Starman or American Flag, that kind of stuff. It's nice that um, DC wants to move away from the absolute line, and they want to put yeah. more stuff into that sort of Starman omnibus, which I actually kind of think is a good idea. Absolutely. Well, yeah. think of it this way: how many things do they have left that they can put Not into many. an absolute? Not many. Yeah, it's. You know, once you get past the the things that probably could fit into the absolute line very well, aren't going to sell. I would love to see like the the Liberty Files, the, the JSA, uh, yeah. Elseworld stuff. It's not going to sell as a it, yeah. It's not going to sell. I uh, what else did I see? They're coming out with hardcovers of Alan Moore Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. They're doing uh, they're doing that and Preacher are both going to get hardcover. I don't have any of the trades of Swamp Thing. I used to have a bunch of issues, but they they were really badly waterlogged, you know. (laughs) But they've been in a swamp. Literally, they've been in a swamp, and I I think I just ditched them at one point when I moved somewhere, and I thought, oh, I'll just pick up the trades someday. And I never did, so now they're coming out with hardcovers. I'm I'm excited. Those are really amazing stories. So well, I, really I get, uh, I did that like I did with the, the Starman. I bought the first two trades of Swamp Thing and the first two trades of Starman, and then I found out that they were coming out, well, yeah. Starman, I found out was coming out in hardcover, and it's been rumored for so long that uh, that Swamp Thing was going to get some sort of, of hardcover treatment yeah. that I went ahead and I said, okay, you know, I'll just, I'll just wait until those come out in hardcover. So... Yeah. Uh, have you been reading Black Summer? I uh, got the last issue, and I'm going to sit down uh, maybe tonight and reread the whole seven-issue yeah. series. Did you like the wrap-up? Yeah. Uh, I'd give the whole thing, like, a, you know, like a B, B minus. Okay. Yeah, it was... I think it had problems in the story and play the art is still I mean the art's gorgeous well, they reap yeah the, the, art, the art is gorgeous on it and the resolution's I think a little safe which surprised me Ellis played it safe I, I mean not safe in the sense of like a happy ending but I thought very sort of like oh okay yeah yeah that's how it ends you know like uh, I thought it was, for the art alone I think it's a fantastic series I'm enjoying it yeah. you know honestly I've liked most of the stuff that Ellis has put out from Avatar, I haven't read all of it, mind you. That's uh, what, what's the the new 
kind of cheesecakey story he's got. Oh, they I have, don't know. Uh, Anna Mercury. Anna Mercury. I haven't I haven't read that, but you know, even like Black Ass, I thought yeah. was a pretty decent zombie story. Nothing yeah. nothing spectacular, but I thought it was a good zombie story. If you haven't read Crazy uh, uh, Crazy, yeah, Crazy Crazy Crazy, um, I. It's one of my favorite things that came out last year. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I also wanted to mention, uh, I've been, we haven't talked about it all, but I've been really enjoying Trinity quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, it's been really, it's been really good. And I think... Uh, I caught up last night. Yeah, it's, I've, you know, I, I just finished the edition. And I'm like, you know, this is really quite a nice little story that they're selling. And, uh, Bastards are going to make me go track down the JLA Adventures. Yes, I have that, yeah. <laughs> it ties in a little bit to JLA Adventures. You have probably, what, the single issues? I have the hardcover. Oh, you got the hardcover. Hard yeah. Oh, look at you. That's one of my favorites. That's one of my favorite stories of all time is the JLA really? Adventures. Yeah. Do I need to try and track the hardcover down? Is it worth it? I, I like it a lot. I think it's worth it. But, I mean... You can well, they, get the issues for a very reasonable price online. Well, they've got the, the obviously the hardcover. They're coming out with the it. trade in September. Okay, maybe I'll do that. October. Yeah, because you're going to end up dropping about 100 bills on that hardcover. The hard, yes, the hardcover is kind of hard to, to find these days. Does it have a like a supplemental book with it? Yeah, it's a, the supplemental book is about the aborted first attempt at a JLA Adventures <laughs> in the 80s. Yeah. It talks a little bit about the story. It has the pages that... Perez had already drawn for it and talks about why it fell apart like the shooter uh, Giordano uh, problem you mean shooter had a shooter had a problem with something I I, I, I don't want to blame I think it was uh, just a mis- yeah just a miscommunication on what was uh, what was going to be uh, what I love is that that has stayed in continuity it's canon it's part of DC continuity very much yeah. that it, it gets mentioned music likes to mention it every once in a while uh, uh, I've been really enjoying Trinity. I think all the problems people had with Countdown, uh, non-existent in Trinity. Yeah. It's its own nice story I'm on its enjoying own. enjoying it. I really like how, the, how they're using the backup stories yeah. to tell little sub-stories that then come into the main story. Yeah. I love the, what's going on with the Hawkman now. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to do some studying up on Gangbuster. Yes, Gangbuster. <laughs> I, I like... For someone who doesn't know much about the DC universe, Sony is looking for a good way to get into it. As Trinity would probably be a pretty good, pretty good way to do pretty it. Way, I mean, you have seen, you've seen the Justice League. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've seen, you know, obviously the big three. You've seen sort of the periphery characters around those characters. The backup stories have introduced some new characters and brought back some old villains, some old villains. So, I, and it's self-contained in that you don't need. It doesn't tie into anything else. Uh, the art, Bagley's art's been really, yeah, it's been really nice. I've actually liked the art on the backups. The not backups have not been just, great not, too. And not just Mike. I mean, no. Norton's doing a nice job, but um, the the art on the backups. Have been cool. I'm not the biggest McDaniel fan. Sometimes yeah, I think it's so, but it's only eight pages. No, I know, no, but I actually like. I thought, um, uh, like, I I didn't like his art on Arena. I just thought it was a little too much on the loose side mm-hmm. and I think this is a little tighter and I like it more because it, 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 his it style I think for my own personal taste I prefer this or a little bit, little bit tighter than what it was in Arena where sure. I thought things kind of spun out of control visually and it was hard to uh, hard to get what's going on but yeah I've and I love how I'm calling him a backup story I don't think it's fair in a way because those 
it's just the other half of the story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like yeah. it ties into everything I think, else you in know, the story. Hadn't Dio kind of said that to us in Seattle that they that they weren't really backup stories. Yeah. He kind of he kind of foreshadowed to that that they were going to be a part of the story. Yeah. That were going to kind of operate separately and, and then get tied in. So, so yeah, it's worked out. Well, hey, um, some uh, some San Diego news I wanted to touch on before yeah. we wrapped up. Um, first of all, uh, Jeff Johns and Van Skyver are uh, bringing bringing Barry back and Flash Rebirth. So uh, every, everybody everybody out there wants to know what Tom Caters thinks about I Flash think it'll Rebirth. Be good. I see no reason to think it'll be bad. They're bringing Barry back. I think what you have is you have two very talented creators, probably. If Johns isn't at the peak of how good he is at writing right now, oh, I mean, because right now, he, I mean, he's, everything he's writing is really good. I see no reason to think that this also won't be good. He's going to do a 180 on yeah, this. Yeah, you have two guys who love the characters, that are, are going to be able to tell a story that they want to tell. And uh, I, I just think it's going to be... There's no nothing in it that would make me think this is going to be... Bad, you know, like unless the like, oh, and it will be. Oh, I'm sorry, but it'll be printed on toilet paper. <laughs> it's really good, but it's it'll be on be, toilet it's paper. Be John Van Skyver doing a Flash story. Yeah, and yeah, is it not about Wally? But it's still gonna be a good story. I'll Jeff Johns it. isn't gonna just toss Wally to this. I, like I, I was reading one of the panels where someone was worried about Wally, and Jeff Johns said, I. I would think by now I would prove what a big fan of Wally I was. I didn't read the, you know, I wrote the book for five years. I don't think he's gonna like sho- kill Wally off or shove Wally to the oh, side. Oh, good. Oh, I can write the real Flash now. Yeah, no, later, yeah. chump. I think. I think. Uh, you look at what he did for Green. The whole cast of Green Lantern characters. I know there's people that say Kyle Rayner doesn't have a big enough role. Well, Kyle Rayner had a 12 issue miniseries about him. Mm-hmm. And he's featured in Green Lantern Corps. He didn't disappear. You know, not every character can be at the front of the stage all the time. Yeah. Some characters are... You know, Batman is always going to be... Goes, man. Batman is always going to be front you know, front stage, right there with, with Superman yeah. and, and, you know, certain other characters. But, yeah, it's... For Kyle, maybe it's time for two or three years of him to get recharged, you know, and, and for someone to say, hey, I, I've i got a great Kyle Rayner story recharged. that it's time to, that it's recharged. That was, that, was a bad, that was a bad pun. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you see, you know, Booster, how long was Booster gone? For year, I mean, he was a joke. He was, he, he Now we know why he was a joke. Yeah, now we know why he was a joke. <laughs> but I mean, he, until Countdown to Infant Crisis, I mean, you didn't see Booster or Blue Beetle, really. A ton around no, until they hell even on the Marvel side, yeah. In, until disassembled, the Avengers were kind of a and also ran book that you never you yeah. never heard people get excited about the Avengers or Captain America. Yeah. I mean, those are you know the Avengers as a team and Captain America as a character. Cap was really a you know he was always going to be an A list character, but he was really kind of had D list book. Yeah, yeah.
Thunderbolts? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of excited to see that. I, I love Diggle's work. I, I know a lot of uh, Hellblazer fans are, are upset that he's not going to be writing Hellblazer yeah. anymore, but I think they're going to be just fine with Simon on yeah. that. Uh, you know, Thunderbolts are a team that I know that there are Thunderbolts fans out there that are passionate about that book. I never got into it. He's going to kill He's going to kill someone with my hero immediately and replace them with. <laughs> which was why I was kind of, uh, I was like, oh, okay, well that makes, he obviously doesn't want the uh, group of badasses who are all, you know. Venom and Norman and. Yeah. Whatever. The whatever. original, I, you know, that or, the original music, um, I forget the art. Uh, I really liked that that original concept of the Thunderbolts was such an an amazing thing when it was revealed who they were, and you're just like, oh shit, you know, like they were all B-list villains mm-hmm. who became heroes, and then when you find out, and you're like, wow, that is the most. I remember being like, literally, I put the book down. I was like, wow, I can't believe that that's who the Thunderbolts are. I. I need to go back and read some old You need to read the old Thunderbolts because, uh, the, you know, it was right around the time when, uh, like, Heroes Reborn or whatever, when all the heroes disappeared. And all of a sudden you have the Thunderbolts, which is this team of new heroes. And then the reveal is that, that they're, they're all B-list villains. They're B-list villains ah. who are pretending to be heroes. And then, of course, some of them actually start to like being heroes. Yeah, you know, guys. They, and they do become good guys. I remember when they revealed that, I was just like, no shit, I can't believe they did that. And it was like one <laughs> of those rare times when I was really genuinely surprised. But well, that's, uh, Thunderbolts were right there with New Warriors for me as books that I just didn't have interest in. Plus, I was out of comics at the time, yeah. and it, I never took the time to, to get back with them. You know, talking about how, how uh, villains can become villains and what pushes them over the edge. Yeah. Have you have you watched uh, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog yet? Uh, yes, I did. How did you like it? That was, that was pretty good. Yeah. I, 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 I'm a little sick of, uh, of Joss Whedon. He's become like he's like comic book Brett Favre to me. I'm just sick. I'm sick of his name. I'm sick of everyone talking about how awesome he is. Okay, well we won't talk. Yeah, about I'm sad. I just like oh god, more about Joss Whedon. I hear Joss Whedon touched a sick boy and he's okay now. <gasps> Joss Whedon looks like he's having so much fun out there. He's having a great time. It's like oh god, please stop talking. Yeah. Let's not talk about. I'm a little sick of John Sweet. <laughs> Let's talk about Brett Favre. No, I don't Is want to talk about back? Brett Favre. You know we are. Let's we're playing for the Jets. <laughs> we're coming back into Favre country here. Yeah. Are Can we, you feel it? Can yeah. you feel the? Uh, uh, we're we're yeah we're in Wisconsin. Yeah, we are. We're getting pretty close. Well, to of course the, the cheese shack. They don't have those. Yeah. We don't have those in Illinois. Do, uh, do you have firework stands here? Yes. Okay. Uh, not all year though. They might be gone. Okay. No. But uh, not like uh, in Missouri where they have them all year round. <laughs> no. Uh, I did one last thing I wanted to mention is I don't know if you saw this, but DC acquired the rights to the Archie heroes. Yeah. What is that about? Is this like Jughead? No. That no. no oh, Jughead's okay. not gonna. The Archie had a series of superheroes. Yeah, that is, they did for a while. This is where John Suntra should be in the back seat. Yeah. Because he knows all of these. Yeah. And it. They've been in sort of publishing limbo on and off. They've had revivals a little bit here and there. Well, DC acquired the rights to them, and they're going to introduce them into the DC universe. Like, who are we talking about here? Um, I forget. The Fly, like all these. I've, 
I can't remember any of the names now. Okay. But I mean, uh, and the JMS Brave and the Bold, some of the stories are going to be the way he's going to introduce those characters into the DC universe. Oh, that sounds fun. And the Milestone characters, if you remember Milestone, which was the, you know, the African-American superheroes, you know, okay. uh, McDuffie worked on a lot oh, of them. Oh, yeah, they yeah, yeah, are yeah. being brought into the DC universe as parts of the DC universe. So Static, who is a character much beloved by a lot of people. Oh, yeah, okay. Is now that is on cartoon be, series? Yep, is now going to be in the DC universe proper as oh. a character in the DC universe, which... For a lot of people, I mean, that's really... I really like Static, and I, I really like those books, and I think it's it's a really cool thing. And I, I get a little bit of, like, that excitement that I think probably people probably had back in the day when DC used to what, use the Charl- multiverse to bring okay. in the Charlton. You know, yeah, like, that was yeah. the way Charlton they Charlton and, uh, and Fawcett. The quality and, characters and all that. I'm like, and, then, and so it, that's, it's kind of a, a cool thing to see some... Old characters. Yeah, that's my fir- my first inclination is that this is not something that is new. This has been done before, and DC has actually done it a lot. Has done it many many times. Yeah. Just of uh, bringing in other companies' characters. Did so. you uh, see the news on uh, BPRD nineteen forty seven? Yes. Which I'm very excited about. Yeah, Still, uh, uh, yeah. uh, Mignola and Joss Dysart are going to be writing just like they uh, did the last series, but uh, Gabriel Ba and Fabio Moon on art. It's gonna it's gonna be pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. So I, I I'm eagerly looking forward to that. It's gonna be fun. Uh, Umbrella Academy two is is gonna be uh is gonna be coming out. Umbrella Academy. Uh, well, that Gerard Way just uh, comes out of nowhere, or actually not nowhere, comes yeah. from music. Winston Eisner. Yeah. Oh, uh, this writing comics is easy. <laughs> <laughs> Why is everyone stressing out so much? Yeah. It's easy. Uh. Um, New Haunted Tank, a Haunted Tank miniseries from cool. Vertigo. Uh, it's going to take place in the Middle East. Wow. Yeah, with uh, the ghost of a uh, General Sherman. Uh, I forget which ghost it is. <laughs> that uh, somebody uh, in the Middle East with like U.S. soldiers and nice the, uh, on a tank battalion. So it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, to see yeah. What they I like do that there's them. some really weird offbeat stuff uh, coming up here. It looks like it's uh, my 2009 might be uh, in the You're gonna want to go to the right. We're going over here. Yeah. All right. Um. One. Uh, this is the last thing I want to say. Okay. I picked up the Flash Companion from Tomorrow's. Ah. Uh, you know. Awesome. That, that, I had your convention experience in Chicago this year. Yeah. I, I bumped into Jeff Johns probably three times. Yeah. And then <laughs> I was over, you know, I was like, oh, where's Tom? And then uh, I was over at Norton's table, and the guy who, who am I taking Leighton? No. Oh, just down the wall. Okay. Um, and then uh, I'm over at Mike's table, and Mike is doing a, uh, he's finishing up part of a jam piece that a guy is, is having him do of all flash rogues. Yeah. And so it's all the rogues, and I think uh, Mike was doing um, maybe a weather wizard or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so I'm talking to the guy, and I'm like, oh, yeah, my, my buddy's a big uh, flash fan, would, would love this. And he's like, oh, if he's a big flash fan, he should be looking at this. It was the guy that wrote the flash companion, and he had the proof. Uh, version of it all there and showed me the entire Flash companion. It's awesome. I, I really I really enjoyed it quite a bit. And I, I mean I've been reading it. it. It it's not so much in the style of the companions where um, 
they go like issue by issue and they give it's more interviews with all the people involved during all the eras you know you have interviews or uh, articles about um, Gardner Fox and Carmen Infantino and uh, Robert Kaniger and it goes through all the eras and they talk to pretty much every major writer that's ever worked on The Flash you know Carrie Bates uh Jeff Johns, Mark Wade, uh, William Messner Lopes, Mike Barron, like anyone who's pretty much touched the flash and all the artists. There's a tribute section by Mark Wade about uh, Mike Ringo and his work on the flash. And, uh, interviews with all the artists like Irv, Nova, Irv Novick, uh, a couple with Carmine and Fantino who did it at different points. Uh, Collins. Yeah, they have a section with Collins. So, um, if well, you one of the things I saw was that the uh, like the bios on the on the robes yep. were really funny. That they yes. had taken a you know a very a very light hearted approach to you know explaining who Gorilla Grodd is. Yes, yeah, and uh, it's really it's just a really cool companion uh, companion piece. My only criticism so far of it is sometimes the articles seem they're not they weren't written for this uh, you know okay, they're excerpts okay. from other things sure. so sometimes you get a little like like annoying overlapping stuff, sure. of stuff well didn't they decide this well yeah because they covered it yeah and I mean it's a different so it, it doesn't have that cohesiveness mm-hmm. that if everything was written specifically for us it was but uh, as far as if you want to learn about the history of how you know the, <laughs> the, my favorite part so far is something I didn't quite realize is they're talking about the flash of two worlds where they reintroduce Jay Garrick and they come up with the whole multiverse concept um forget who, well, I think it was uh, Carmen Infantino said that back then, one of the, to come up with story ideas, he would come up with a cover first, and then um, Julie Schwartz and whoever the writers would have to come up to, with a story for it. So he made that cover of the two flashes running towards somebody to save them as sort of like a, let's see you write a story about and this. The yeah, and the multiverse was And then Carmen Infantino <laughs> said, well, I'll be damned, they came up with a story that explained it. And they're like, wow. You know. So I was like, that's a really cool story to think about that. That's how, you know, something that became so important to uh, so much of the history of all those characters, you know. It's like a little picture of uh, up in Milwaukee here. So we have driving all the broken Now let's see if we can figure out. Well, I'll tell you what, let's, uh, we'll, we'll wrap this one up. Let's wrap it up. We're about to have to focus on uh, driving. Yes. Um, so, uh, real quick, uh, first of all, thanks for listening. Uh, drop by the iTunes Music Store if you would and, uh, and leave us a, uh, a friendly message there. It always means a lot to us. Uh, you can check out Tom on Tom vs. the JLA, which is re- getting ready to wrap up, right? Yep. Getting all close. Right. All right. So, we'll get to know all about Flash hopefully soon. Uh, Tom vs. the Flash. Yes. All right. Uh, you can uh, uh, listen to me. We need to go on this one yeah 94 west oh Lapham Boulevard there we go hey there you go there's a comic tie-in you can uh, you can find me uh, every week on 11 o'clock comics that uh, usually comes out on Thursday morning or Friday morning Uh, keep going Oh, take 94 west yes okay follow the 94 west follow that car yes all right we'll not go on David Lapham Boulevard yes all okay. Right. Um, oh, uh, check out my column, Comic Shots, on uh, Thursday mornings at ifanboy.com, where uh, I'll give you a drink recommendation and a comic book review. So having a lot of fun with that. And uh, Tom, we got anything? Is that it? is that it? I think so. Yeah. I'm keep trying reading to the comments. Where we are. <laughs>
Oh, there goes the I-pass. Oh, okay. Did I uh, keep going? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to try and find the baseball stadium. <laughs> yeah. Um, we might now officially be sort of lost. Okay. We'll get there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, maybe uh, you might hear from us after the, the baseball game, maybe. So, maybe. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back uh, next week with another uh, episode from Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles. In the meantime... In between time. We'll be everywhere in and around comics. Around somewhere in Milwaukee. Oh, God. I with. <laughs> I'm pulling into the Sitco. <laughs> I think we lost the night. I need to go back. Yeah. Listen. Jamaica, shoes and mountains shining down the river. All my friends there pulling on those reeds, young and then the mountains going like a bee. expressed in the interviews or by guests of the show are solely those of the individuals expressing them and may not reflect the opinions of Around Comics. Any reproduction, rebroadcast, or retransmission without the express written consent of Around Comics is strictly prohibited. All content presented in this program is the sole property of Around Comics, and this has been an Around Comics production, copyright 2008.